0: Welcome to The Church Door, a place where I can post my Bible studies and sermons for your listening pleasure. I'm the Reverend Matthew Fenn, pastor of St. Peter's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Stratford, Ontario. Thanks for tuning us in. We find ourselves on a Friday morning, on the sixth day of the week, looking at a Roman governor and his peculiar new prisoner. This prisoner has already been scourged. The governor lets the soldiers dress him up as a king of of sorts. A crown of thorns and the slapping in the face tell you what they think about such a claim. And Pilate says the words... That still haunt us. Behold the man. Pilate's not saying this to the scribes. He's not saying this to the Jewish religious leaders. Pilate is saying, Behold the man to you. To me. Pilate is asking us what we will do with this Jesus of Nazareth the King of the Jews. The same Jesus who was displayed by Pilate to the people of Jerusalem is set before us as we hear this Gospel. And as these words are addressed to all whom the Word is preached. Behold the man. This morning, on the Friday that we call good, we will behold this man. I want you to pause and consider Jesus in this specific moment. Almost as if you'd hit pause on your TV remote. Behold the man before he dies on the cross, right in the middle of his suffering and rejection. This is a part of Christ's passion. This is part of His atonement. He had to experience this moment. Behold the man. Behold him as he's scourged. There are two words in the Gospels that describe the scourging of Jesus. One word emphasizes the many-pronged whip that was used with bones and metal tied to the tips of the leather thongs. Those thongs sliced through his flesh. The other word emphasizes that the whip tore and chewed through his flesh. This scourging was for the purpose of torture. And the Romans were very good at it. Its goal was to inflict as much excruciating pain as possible, still leaving the victim alive enough to be crucified. If that scourging is not limited, the victims die. Behold the man. Behold him as the Roman soldiers take thorns, twist them into a crown, and place them on his head in mockery. Behold him as they cruelly force the thorny crown into his brow. Behold as blood begins to pour. Behold the man. Behold him. As the soldiers mock him and strike him. Behold him as they take a purple robe and place it on him, mocking his kinship. Behold him as he's mocked and beaten by the very ones that he wonderfully and carefully knit together in their mother's wombs. Behold the man. Behold him as he's brought out again before you. Behold him as Pilate presents him to you again. Behold Him, smitten, stricken, and afflicted. Behold the sacred head now wounded with grief and shame weighed down. Behold Him, despised and rejected. Behold Him acquainted with grief. Behold the man. Behold Him. Here is the true image of the true God. Here is the man who has brought God's wisdom into the world. Here is the living embodiment of God, the one who made the invisible God visible. Here is the king, and all his rebel subjects can do is mock him and slap him and scream for his blood. When the living, loving God comes, in person, to live among rebels, in the world that he made and still loves. The appropriate form to take is not a superhero sweeping in, sweeping through the rebel states with horses and chariots, defeating the rebellion in a blaze of glory. That is not how he comes. The appropriate form for him to take is the form of Jesus. The form he's taken now. The King of the Jews crowned with thorns, the innocent king, the true man, the one who told the truth and was accused of blasphemy. Behold the man. Look at this man, and you'll see your living, loving, bleeding God. We don't want to look, do we? We can't bear it. It's too awful. It's too gruesome. It's too violent. But ultimately, we're too ashamed. We cannot look because we know that what He endures is ultimately because of our own sin. When you behold the beatings and the suffering of Jesus on Good Friday, don't blame the Roman soldiers. Don't even blame the Jewish religious leaders. But they're just instruments. The cause is your sin. My sin. Our thoughts, our words, our actions. Your sin is why Jesus had to suffer as He did. Even if you were the only human being on earth, Jesus would still have to suffer and die to save you. That's what the law of God calls for. The wages of sin is death. Behold, then, the suffering servant. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Those were your hands beating Jesus as they lash out against your brothers and sisters. Those are your words uttered in scorn. The lashes he endured were yours. The death he died was yours. In the very wounds that were inflicted upon Jesus on Good Friday, there you will find the ultimate cure for what afflicts us. His wounded head is the healing of our mind. He received blows so that you might be healed of all the blows that you've ever received at the hands of others. He received insults so that you may find healing from all the insults that you have ever received. His wounded hands are the healing of your work. His wounded feet are the healing of your walk. His wounded side is the healing of your heart, turned away from God and turned against your brothers and sisters. Behold the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. There is nothing and nowhere where this is more true than Jesus hanging on the cross, dead for you. This is why we call this Friday good. It took that bloody death upon the cross for sin to be atoned for. God could not wink at it. God could not just ignore sin. For God is just and He is holy. And sin pays nothing but death and judgment. But God is merciful. and He does not desire the death of us sinners. So, God in the flesh, your Lord Jesus Christ, laid down His life of priceless worth of His own accord. There is mercy for you, because there was no mercy for Jesus. He does this out of, not out of a sense of obligation or duty. He doesn't do this because it had to be done. He does it simply because He loves you. In that one solitary act of unsurpassed love in the darkness between noon and three, all your griefs and sorrows were borne by the Son of God. Our sin was answered for. The just demands of God's law were paid and we were reconciled to God our Father. One moment in history for all time. One man for all men. Jesus bears the burden of sin for us. He nails it to His cross and He took our sins to the grave and He leaves it there. What does this mean for you? It means that it's for you. It means that He suffered, died, and was buried that He might make satisfaction for you and pay what you owe, not with silver or gold, but with His own precious blood. He rescued you. He bought you. He has died for you on your behalf. He carried you. Jesus has dealt with all your grief, all your sorrow, all that death has done or will do to you. All that others have done to you. All that you have done to yourself. Jesus deals with it all in His own body on the cross. Behold the man. Behold your King. Behold your God. Behold your salvation. May that peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to The Church Door. Thanks again for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can reach me, Pastor Matthew Fenn, at RevFenn, R E V F E N at iCloud.com. Look forward to having you with us again next time.